As we continue this series on mercy and justice, we need to remember that you know, when we show mercy and we act justly, we are reflecting the very character of God. And nowhere is that more true than when we show care for those that the Bible calls the fatherless or the orphan. Listen to how Psalm 68 describes God. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. You know, God's concern for the orphan and the widow is seen repeatedly throughout the Bible. He cares for those who are vulnerable, those who uh, can't fend for themselves. Right? They are under God's special fatherly care. He shows them mercy and will see that justice is done for them. And because it's his will to place them in a family, the church has an important part, part to play in this. You know, we serve as his agent. As it says in James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And it's the orphan that I want to particularly focus on today. There are more than 70 million orphans in the world. Uh, but let me just share the story of one orphan who God recently placed in a family. His name is Thung Trung Mai born in Vietnam and raised by his mother. Sadly, when he was seven years old, his mom got sick and she died a couple of years later. Fong was placed in an orphanage. He made some friends there, but many of them got adopted and placed in families in the United States. By the time he reached 15, he thought he'd never have a family. But God had other plans and had already prepared a family for him who are part of our church, the Grand Masons. And we're going to hear him now share what that experience was like in his own words. And then we'll hear from Tyler and Melissa Grand Mason. On November 26, 2019, I met my family. I was so happy and excited. My family come to the orphanage and I saw them where I lived for the last five years. It was a very, a very exciting time because I finally had a family of my own. On December 11, I said goodbye to Vietnam for now, as we departed for the United States. My new home. We landed late in Boston and we were met by my family. Further now my life is very different than it was when I lived in Vietnam. New country, new food, new family. Everything is new to me. If I was still living in Vietnam, I probably would not be going to school and I would have a job. Here in America, I can still hurt and focus on my education. Most of all, I have a family. I am excited to have new opportunities. Tempted and tried, I wonder why the good man dies, bad man 
Adoption is something that's always been on Melissa and my heart. Um, we've been married for 17 years and we talked about adoption pretty early on in our marriage and we thought that was the way we were going to start our family. Um, almost exactly to our three-year anniversary we had our first son and then a year after, a little more than a year after that we had our second and so we had two toddlers and we um, were in maintenance mode and just maintaining uh, lives with them and um, growing with them and um, kind of put adoption on the back burner for a while. Yeah, and I think fast forward to 2018, um, you know, we over the years have had relationships with other couples that had really modeled what it looked like to be an adoptive family or adoptive parents. And so I think we just sort of felt reignited in that and God really started speaking to us again. And so I think it was important to check that, you know, because in our hearts, really, we didn't have this deep desire to have more children or a baby or find the missing piece or whatever. And so I think, you know, for us, that was clearly not, you know, this fleshly desire that we had. Yeah. So we knew God was speaking. Yeah. And so we, you know, we prayed about it. We got counsel. Because we were, we were really comfortable with, at the ages, the boys were really getting to the point where they were easy. And when Melissa began to get stirred about adoption again, um, it was something we really just had to pursue God and ask Him if this was really His voice we were hearing, and, and thankfully that it was. Yeah. And so I think we've always, you know, had a heart for Southeast Asia um, for as long as we can really remember. And so we ended up, and this is a very long story, but <laughs> all that cut out, we ended up in the Vietnam program um, through our adoption agency. So international adoption was something that we felt led to pursue. And, you know, we just read and researched more about mm -hmm. the great need um, there is, especially in a country like Vietnam where foster care isn't really a thing. So we um, jumped in headfirst with yeah. uh, not a whole lot of money, <laughs> not a whole lot of knowledge, not a whole lot of anything. Just really trusting God in the whole process. Because yeah. at the end of the day, he, he really put on our hearts that we wanted to see uh, a child put into a family. We wanted to give someone who didn't have the opportunity to be in a family put in one. And so... Um, yeah, we jumped in head first and we were in the Vietnam program and we were open to adopting an older child but in birth order, so younger than Zephan. And so... Um, that was our plan. That was our plan. <laughs> and God had other plans and so we had this one other boy, Fung, and we had asked to see his file. And um, we really asked if we were even able to adopt him because he was going to be out of birth order and um, I was only 20 years older than he was. Just under 20 years older. Yeah. So we had to get special permission. Um, but yeah, I think it was, again, not our plan, but obviously God's. This was not something that we, you know, went into lightly. Um, and we were the only qualified couple in the whole program that would be able yeah. to adopt uh, Fung because of his age and because of the time frame. Because in Vietnam, at age 16, you age out of the programs. Um, or the, have the ability to be adopted. So things had to move fast and uh, thankfully it was all in God's timing. Yeah. So after we were matched with Fung, we were able to have a couple video calls with him before we arrived in Vietnam. And to our surprise, he told us he wanted an American name, um, which blew our minds at 15 years old. <laughs> he wanted to change his name. Um, and so we had given him a few options. Do you 
want us to come up with a few options for you or we can talk about it or, you know, but he was pretty adamant um, about us naming him. Yeah. And so we gave him the name Theo, which means gift from God. What a great testimony that is. You know, Tyler and Melissa will be sharing a bit more on adoption at the end. Uh, but I'm sure there must have been people who thought they were crazy to adopt a 15-year-old boy from Vietnam. In fact, only one thing really explains it, and that is the heart of a God who is a father to the fatherless and who puts the solitary in families. As we heard, it was God who moved Tyler and Melissa to adopt Theo. You know, God cares deeply for the needs of vulnerable children all over the world. He knows every single one, and there can be no doubt that his heart breaks for every one of them, and ours should break too. You know, I, I experienced that when I was in Mexico in the late 1990s, uh, working with an organization called Oasis. They were rescuing and sheltering street children in Guadalajara, and I went with a team to find their camps on the streets, and it really was heartbreaking. You know, I had four young children of my own at the time, and many of them were the same age. And yet these street kids were subjected to horrible abuse. Many were addicts, uh, living and sleeping in terrible conditions. I mean, children, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be so. There are nearly 200 million children working or living on the streets around the world. Millions are forced into child labor prostitution, they experience violence or are victims of war. You know, we've all heard the terrible stories of child soldiers in East Africa and seen the news footage of children suffering in Yemen and Syria or who are held at the borders where they flee their country or who are trapped in refugee camps with no future. At least 35,000 children every single day die from malnutrition or starvation. And God calls his people to get actively involved, not just be passively concerned. Listen to what he says in Psalm 82. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Right? Defend. Uphold. Rescue. And I'm glad to say that many in our church seek to do just that. You know, we've, we've had members who have worked with Child Voice International, members who I know sponsor children in different parts of the world and who give to different charities that provide for the needs of children. Uh, many of you gave to uh, care for children in China when we did a Christmas campaign for them and also to help the women and the children trapped in prostitution in Mumbai. And of course, we have huge needs on our own doorstep in our own communities, which is where the church should be involved first and foremost. And again, it's encouraging to see how many of our members have been involved in befriending and serving the women and children at Lydia's House of Hope and New Generation, uh, giving supplies to chase home for children and serving families in public housing. Many of us have sadly heard stories of abuse or dysfunction, particularly where substance abuse is involved, or where children have had to be removed from their families for their own safety and put into foster care. In 2019, 672,000 children spent time in foster care in this country. It's a huge need, tragically. And so in this message, I'm, I'm highlighting that particular need because I really believe that it's the church that should be leading the way in advocating for foster care and adoption giving orphans and at-risk children a loving family and a safe place. 
And I'm so glad to say that we have a number in our own church who are playing a key role in that. So to start with, here is Emily Coppinger, who is an actual advocate for foster children. Hi, I'm Emily Coppinger, and I am a court-appointed special advocate, or CASA GAL, here in New Hampshire. When a child or siblings become involved with the Division for Children, Youth, and Families, DCYF, a CASA is assigned to the case. My responsibility is to represent the best interests of the child. This is slightly different than the DCYF caseworker and attorney who focus throughout the majority of the case on advocating for family reunification. The distinction is that family reunification and the best interests of the child may not always be the same thing. So that would be my job to advocate for or against. For a child who is old enough to communicate what they want to happen in their case, I would always keep this in consideration, but would also potentially advocate for something that goes counter to the child's wishes if I believed that what they wanted was not actually in their best interest. This requires getting to know the child in his or her context, getting to know their strengths and challenges, and being part of their support system throughout this whole process. I got into this work in 2019 because as a Christian, I feel called to advocate for the widow and the orphan. While children who are assigned causes generally are not orphans, they too need someone who is committed to listening to them and advocating for their voice to be heard throughout these tough situations. There have been many times when I did not feel equipped to navigate my role as a CASA, but God has always provided wisdom and peace. These are hard situations and families are often dealing with complex issues. And I cannot think of a better place to bring the power of God's spirit. When children are removed from their homes, they are moved to foster care placements. Being placed in a loving home means they have one less thing to worry about as they navigate a very hard and emotional process. Sometimes at the end of the case, family reunification is not a viable option. This is when it is an added blessing for foster families to be pre-adoptive, meaning that they are interested in adopting the child who has been placed with them. Because this means the child does not have to be anxious about what is going to happen to them next. There are always needs for CASA volunteers and foster families here in New Hampshire. It is hard work, but I believe God can give us the grace and love to do it well. If you want to know more about her work, please do speak to Emily, uh, but please also be praying for her. I know her job is not easy, but it's one of the ways that you can support her and to this important work. We're going to hear now from Jeff and Sheena Cole, who are foster parents in our church. So I always loved the idea of adoption because it parallels what God has done for me. God searched for me and found me and invited me into his loving family unconditionally. Uh, it always seemed to me to be the perfect way to exemplify God's love. Fostering is an extension of adoption and fills a similar role. My feeling was that I could touch more families through fostering and hopefully bring healing to many families through Jesus. Uh, we got into fostering to be a blessing, uh, but the biggest surprise was the blessing that we've received in the middle of it. God has been so good and has given us strength through each situation. My passion comes from being light into darkness, into dark places, to turning what Satan has meant for evil to good, to bring redemption. There's such a big need and so many children who deserve to be loved. Every situation is unique and my heart breaks for all of them. That's why we got involved, but God has done the rest. For me, I grew up in a broken home with an abusive mother and a father who was in prison most of my upbringing. So I've experienced what many of these kids in foster care go through. Fortunately for me, my best friend's family invited me into their family and introduced me to God. 
Without their love and support, I wouldn't have a relationship with God and wouldn't have experienced the love he gives. Experiencing a loving family had a deep impact on my life, and ever since, I've wanted to be that family for others, to provide a place for children to call home and to be an example of God's love to them. There's sadly many, many broken families in the Seacoast, and more kids coming into foster care than families to take them in. The main goal of fostering is to help and bring healing to the biological family and bring them the help that they need. Uh, reunification is the hope and happily the outcome for some of these kids, but for many, more than, more than not, uh, fostering becomes a way of life and years go by as hope for a normal life fades. Hope for adoption is the reality of most children who enter foster care and is a tremendous way to change a life for the better. A few helpful ways to support the foster care system is one, become foster parents. You can also become a uh, respite provider for foster parents. You could become a emergency crisis foster home where the child is only in your home for a few days while they work on finding long-term placement and uh, adoption. So a lot of, as Jeff said, a lot of kids enter the foster care system and unfortunately they aren't reunified. So adoption is, uh, is always um, a goal. Uh, the next thing is supporting other foster families. So um, providing meals when new placements arrive or uh, donating if you have things to donate for the child that is in, the, in their home. Um, great places to donate if you have uh, pretty gently used clothes is the Pass Along Project. You can also donate Walmart gift cards to DCYF, which they give to foster families when they get a new placement to help with the financial burden um, when children first come into the home. Uh, if you are interested in um, getting more information or wanting to get involved in the foster care system, please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to give you <laughs> any information you would like. Thanks, Jeff and Sheena. Uh, and now we're gonna hear from just one more person in our church who works with vulnerable children. Here is Sue McDougall. Hi, my name is Sue McDougall, for those that don't know me. And I'm a child and family therapist. I've been doing this work for about 25 years, working in community mental health. What that translates to is that I work mostly with families who are high risk. So families that really struggle with caring for their children or families where children have been removed and are in foster care. And as I was listening to or reading Ian's email a couple weeks ago and, and saw that he was gonna be talking on foster care, I just immediately burst into tears and I surprised myself. I think because it's been a prayer of mine for many years to pray that more Christians would become foster parents. And I thought immediately of a four-year-old boy that I began to work with about 14 years ago. He was small and very innocent, and he came to me and was very anxious. And the mother wasn't sure why he was anxious. Well, at that time, I did a lot of home-based work, and so I went to his home, and I could see pretty quickly why he was anxious. Mom was depressed, she had substance abuse issues, the home was filthy, and he had two younger siblings that mom couldn't care for, and he was caring for these younger siblings. 
meaning that he would get up and get cereal and bring it back to their cribs and, and feed them and even sometimes change their diapers. I would leave many times at home and go to my car and just sob. Just, it was horrible. And I prayed for this little boy and this family. And I prayed literally for years. I made a number of calls to child protection. There were other professionals that did the same. And then one day a neighbor called the police and their horror ended. They ended up in a foster home temporarily, or so they thought. And that home was a Christian home. The parents were thinking about leaving foster care after many years, but they fell in love with this little boy and his siblings. And um, we got to work together as a team. So Child Protection connected the family with me and we continued to do the work. There was a lot of trauma and I got to work with the family for about 10 years off and on. And um, this June, I know this young man is gonna graduate. And in last contact, he was doing really well in school and he had come to know the Lord. And so I saw God answering my prayers. And so my prayer is that if you're listening to this today, that you would really think about is God asking you to, to, to be a resource in the lives of these young children. So the last thing I wanna leave you with is when I was preparing to become a therapist, I went to a Christian graduate school. The first day of class, the professor said, you're gonna learn and receive a lot of tools here during your time, but you already carry three essential tools that other therapists will not be carrying who don't believe. To believe scripture, the power of scripture, the power of prayer, and the Holy Spirit. And I say to you, that is, you consider this, you carry those tools as well. No matter what challenge you have, God will be there with you. So may God bless you. What Sue didn't mention there was that that Christian couple, who were almost empty nesters when they fostered those three children, they ended up adopting them all. I read that there are over 100,000 children in foster homes or institutions in this country who are currently waiting to be adopted. It's a huge need, both here and across the world. And so whether you consider fostering or adopting yourself or uh, providing support to those who do, or perhaps giving financially to put vulnerable children into families, know that what you do is very close to the heart of God. Here are Tyler and Melissa again with a few last words of advice. So I think something that we may say to a couple or an individual that's thinking about um, physically adopting is um, see God first in everything that you do and everything about the whole process. I think as Christians, we have a role to play in adoption some way or another, whether that's physically adopting ourselves and bringing a child into our personal family or, or giving to somebody that is adopting participating um, with others that are adopting. Um, but really the first thing is seek God. He will open your heart, he will lead you. Um, a scripture that really stood with us the whole process because for us it was a, there was a lot of, we had a lot of fear with it because it was scary, it's a scary event. But um, you know, First Thessalonians, what is it, 524, the one who calls you is faithful, he will do it. And um, we just trusted God in the whole process and he opened the doors and he led us, he provided the resources to do it. Um, yeah.
Yeah, the, the second thing, sorry, the, the yeah. second thing would really be, um, what's your motivation? Check your heart. Yeah. Um, this isn't about saving a child. Um, this is really following the heart of God in the whole process and seeing him placing the fatherless into families. Yeah. Um, so God, God leads us in love, not in guilt. We, didn't, we don't adopt out of guilt. We adopt because God motivates us with his own heart and his love for the fatherless. Yeah, and I guess a, another piece would be to seek out other people, other couples, individuals, other families that have gone through the process before you. Because I know for us, it was huge to have um, some people in our lives that have already done it. And so it's good to get beside them to um, pray just... and encourage and... Yeah, it's not easy. No. And so the process in itself is not an easy process to go through. It's long and it's, it's confusing. It's, there are just so many parts to it. Um, but again, those were all the things that were really hard for us. Mm -hmm. But God just made a way every, yeah. every step of, um, of our process. So yeah, we would certainly be more than happy to sit down with anyone and share any wisdom that we've um, had along the way that we can yeah. encourage you all to yeah, to just step out in faith. This is a real, real huge need in our world right now. As I said, please do reach out if you would like to find out more or talk things through with any of our speakers today, Tyler and Melissa, Jeff and Sheena, Emily and Sue, they would all be more than happy to chat with you. Just get in touch with us at hello at newfrontierschurch.com. And let's remember that as Christians, you know, one of the main reasons why we should all care about this and be motivated to do something is because we ourselves were once orphans, right? We were spiritual orphans, spiritually homeless in the universe, separated from our heavenly home because of sin. We were lost children. But in Galatians 4, it says that God the Father sent his son Jesus to redeem us so that we might be adopted as his sons and daughters, brought into his family and given a home where we will be loved by him for all eternity. And as his adopted children, he now sends us into the world to all the literal orphans and to all the spiritual orphans so that they too might know that there is a God who is a father to the fatherless. So let's not just be passively concerned. Let's all be actively involved in this great commission. Amen. God bless you this week.